You're listening to Food Integrity Now with Carol Gravey, Matt Spate, and Jeannie Smith, revealing the truth about the food we eat. Hello and welcome to Food Integrity Now. I'm Carol Gravey, the host of your show today. On Food Integrity Now, we not only talk about issues that affect our global food supply, we also bring you integrity news and information on various topics that are affecting the quality of our lives. One of our goals is to bring you this information in an uncensored and honest way so that you can use this information to assist in creating change in your life and in the lives of others. You can find Food Integrity Now on Facebook and on Twitter. Our website is foodintegritynow.org, and you can listen to all of our shows directly on our site or on iTunes. On our show today, we have Foster Gamble. Foster is president and co-founder of Clear Compass Media. He's the creator, host, and co-writer and director of visual design of the movie Thrive. What on earth will it take? Foster, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. It's nice to be with you. Oh, it's great to have you. So let's start out just finding out a little bit more about you and why you made this movie. Well, uh, as I was growing up, um, I began to become aware of the incredible amount of suffering that's going on in the world, and it just didn't make sense to me. I actually was blessed to come from a very uh, loving family, and so I, I didn't see uh, right off what was going on. But as I got out into the world, uh, I was shocked to, to find out that we were uh, at the risk of nuclear holocaust and we were destroying the, the environment. And, you know, there were over a billion people starving and it just didn't make sense to me from what I knew of human beings and the incredible beauty of the human spirit and the generosity that I saw around me for the most part. I couldn't figure out what was in the way of our thriving. So when I graduated from college, I found out that I inherited enough money that I could, if I managed it carefully, I could uh, pretty much choose what I wanted to do with my daily life. So I really decided to commit my life to finding out what's in the way of our thriving. And I told my friends, because I was a filmmaker at the time, I told my friends, if I found uh, a story that made sense out of the destructiveness that I saw going on and a way out, then I would make the feature film that I had always wanted to make. So I didn't know it would take 40 years to, to find the answers to those questions. Um, but I felt like I finally did and made the movie, and that's what Thrive is. Wow. So let's start out with talking about the Vectra Equilibrium in the Taurus, which okay. you discuss in the movie. Can you explain that to our listeners? Well, the, a, a lot of people don't think that they're interested in uh, math and science. And so don't be scared off by that, because what we're really looking at, what I've been preoccupied with since I was 14 years old, was how does nature build the reality that we see? So it's not about some course where you're using a compass and a protractor to figure out all these angles and so forth. No, it's just looking into our bodies into nature, into flowers and crystals and so forth, and figuring out what's nature doing. And to make a long story short, one of the most thrilling things that I've come across in my life is that there is one fundamental pattern that the universe uses to sustain a healthy energy system 
at every scale, as far as we can tell, at least from atoms to the clustering of galaxies. And besides the fact that that's interesting to me, it's profound for humanity because we're at this critical crossroads where for the first time in history, we've got the capability of destroying ourselves and all life as we know it on our planet if we're careless with the technologies we've developed. So our imperative is to figure out how to build a healthy system that can sustain indefinitely. Well, it turns out that nature has a blueprint for that and it's called the torus. It's a donut-shaped whirlpool vortex and that's what nature does at every scale to sustain a healthy system. So if we can model our systems after the torus, we can align it with the way nature actually flows nature in our uh, flows energy in our environment uh, and then build a healthy system. So that's the torus and you see it in the electromagnetic field around a magnet, around our bodies, around a healthy seed. You see it in the shape of an apple or an orange, the electromagnetic field around the, the earth, around a, a galaxy. So it's, it's literally everywhere and it's who we are, it's what we're made of. So that's half the equation, that's the torus. I call that the kind of the breath of the universe because it, it expands and contracts and flows like our breath. Then when those toruses come together, like they do in an atom, the heavier an atom is, the more little whirlpool vortices it has in it. And it turns out that uh, it starts creating the geometries, the symmetry groups that we see in a flower and in a crystal, you know, three, four, five, six-fold symmetries. And there is one geometry, you know, we're all used to seeing cubes and tetrahedrons, uh, maybe some people know the icosahedron, which is fiveness, and the, the uh, dodecahedron, uh, which is the dual of that. But the key is that the mother of all geometries, the mother uh, from which all of those other symmetries spring, is called the vector equilibrium. And it uh, was named that by Buckminster Fuller because he realized that it's the only shape where all of the edges and all of the, what they call the radial vectors that go from the center out to the little junctures of all of the lines. It's the only geometry where all those lines are the same size. And what that means is the energy push or pull between vertices is exactly in equilibrium. And it turns out you never see that in nature because the material world is not in equilibrium. It comes out of the plenum of, of full potential and takes form in a body or a stone or an atom or, or whatever. But all the material world eventually dissolves back into that state of equilibrium. So it turns out those two shapes, as far as I can tell, the torus and the vector equilibrium, one is the flow, the other is the structure of how nature builds throughout the universe. So it gives us a template by which we can do absolutely remarkable things. And didn't you have an experience when you were a young man, when you were on a bus and you you saw this or explain what happened? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I was uh, I would say looking back, I was somewhat traumatized as a as a uh, elementary school child by uh, being told to duck under my desk and cover my head as the siren was going off in a drill warning about a nuclear attack. And sitting under my desk, I had the realization 
that this desk and my arms are not going to protect me from a nuclear explosion. And that's really when my independent thinking started big time, because I realized that the adults in charge had some serious gaps in their in their understanding as far as I could see. So I was really looking on a very deep level for what's the deal on energy and why are we messing with with nuclear energy? And with that in mind, I think that was a trigger for an experience that I had when I was 14. I was a freshman in high school and I was riding on a school bus, gazing out the window and the lights were kind of blinking through the, the trees. I think it probably helped kind of put me in a reverie state. And suddenly I was looking at this beautiful whirlpool vortex just floating in the air. And then it became an atom, kind of in that classical way we used to be taught an atom was this nucleus at the center with these little uh, balls whipping around the outside. And then I, I thought, that's interesting. And then it transformed into a solar system with the sun at the center and the planets whipping around the outside. And I saw that somehow those two patterns must be the same, just different sizes. But then my whole body was overtaken with this experience of realization that somehow I was that same pattern, just about halfway between in scale between a tiny atom and a giant solar system. And I was completely taken with this vision. And after it was over, I went to my science teacher and told him, and you know, to his credit, instead of saying, you know, well, duh, uh, he said, what a fascinating notion. You know, keep going with that and let me know what you come up with. Well, little did we know that I would spend 45 years going with that. But in fact, I did get back to him uh, just a few months ago to tell him that I'd finally come to completion on that uh, that question. But the, the key it was that the, what I was seeing was the Taurus pattern. And I started going up to the physics lab every day after sports and just spending all my spare time trying to build what I had seen and ultimately ended up with this sculpture where I had taken a light generator, a big uh, physics flashlight, uh, and then started bending it through blocks of, of refractive, refractive glass until I finally made this huge circle. And then the light beam came back in on, it, on itself and basically created a floating ring of light. And that's when I knew I was done. And I told my friends who thought I was kind of strange, you know, I, looking back on it, I was like Richard Dreyfus with mashed potatoes and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I knew I had to do it. And once I got it done, I knew that was it. I just didn't understand that what I had built was the shape of every electron, the shape of every galaxy. And that's that was a fulfillment of the vision that I'd had of the Taurus. Then it took me another you know, 30, 40 years to really understand both how it appears all throughout nature, but even more importantly, how we can apply it to, to relieve human suffering right now. And so where are some of the places that uh, the, the symbol of the Taurus have been found or have showed up in nature? How, how, how has this appeared to us over, you know, millenniums? Well, there, there are interesting patterns, both of the Taurus and the Vector Equilibrium, repeated in ancient cultures throughout history. And the, the Taurus appears, uh, it turns out that the Hebrew alphabet is uh, not just a bunch of squiggles. They're actually two-dimensional shadowgrams of three-dimensional figures. And those three-dimensional figures are all one particular figure that's very close to, if you hold out your hand with the palm up and look at the fingers and the thumb, if you re recreated that as a sculpture, 
that's the figure from which the whole Hebrew alphabet is made. And that represents the curvature of the, of the uh, torus from the center out to the um, over the top and to the equator. Then you can take that and rotate it all the way around and flip it, and it creates the whole torus. And it turns out that, um, that in the Jewish tradition, they created the alphabet based on that figure as a code. And then the vector equilibrium itself is actually encoded into the first chapter of the book of Genesis. And mm. there's a man named Stan Tenen in the Meru Project, who uh, I worked with for a number of years, uh, decoding how all of this works. But also when you combine the, the torus and the vector equilibrium in two layers, like what I was talking about before with the atom, uh, it creates, when you, again, create a two-dimensional shadowgram of the three-dimensional figure, it creates what's called uh, colloquially now the, the flower of life. It's a number of rings all intersecting. And that appears in, the, in an ancient Osirian temple in Egypt. It appears in Turkey, it appears in India and Austria. Really throughout the world, this same shape uh, has been encoded in uh, tile and painting and buildings and so forth and passed down to us really across millennia, across the centuries. Wow. And um, in crop circles, too. Exactly. The crop circles like the flip side. Whereas we're getting codes from ancient cultures, we're also getting messages from advanced cultures. And in a, in a sense, from the future, because uh, the the cultures that seem to be leaving the genuine crop circles obviously have some sort of technology that we're currently not capable of. And uh, nobody knows for sure who's doing the authentic ones, but there have been these uh, numerous balls of light photographed flying over crops, um, particularly in England, where uh, afterward the uh, the, the crop patterns, the so-called crop circles, are, are shown to appear. And there are numerous, I mean hundreds, of, uh, of these crop circles that I could use. If I were teaching a college course on the geometry that I've studied all my life uh, that depicts how energy works in the universe and how we can align our energy technologies with it, I could use hundreds of the crop circles as very specific, detailed technical drawings of exactly what I would want to be communicating. And my own sense of that, as I talk about in the movie, is that I imagine that advanced civilizations who are keeping an eye on us, and they've been particularly visiting since 1947 when uh, America exploded the first nuclear bombs, the, the incidence of ET visitations has been uh, increasing dramatically since that time. I think that uh, cultures that have gone, you know, could be millions of years beyond where we are and are now watching us struggle with self-destruction, I think that they have an imperative, and I've heard a lot of information on this, not to interfere with our evolutionary process, but they can assist here and there to keep us from destroying ourselves. And I think one of the things they're doing is teaching us through the crop circles and other means uh, how energy fundamentally works and also showing us how they're tapping into that energy for their anti-gravity propulsion devices and the devices that create the uh, a gravitational field around their ship that allows them to travel not only at, at uh, fantastic speeds compared to what we're capable of, but actually apparently fly through 
dimensions of time and space in ways that we cannot understand yet, because in order to visit from other solar systems, much less other galaxies, they would need to be traveling in some anomalous way. So do you feel like the crop cir circles are like messages for us? Absolutely. I think that they are uh, reminders. I think that they're uh, blueprints. I, I think that they're assignments. <laughs> and the, you know, after studying spatial geometry for 40 years, the most advanced work that I came across and those of other colleagues of mine is represented again and again in fine detail in those crop circles. So it's obviously a very advanced consciousness that not only is aware of them and wanting to tell us about them, but has the technology to make those patterns appear within moments uh, in crops. Yeah, I think they're absolutely beautiful just to look at. And again, our listeners can Google crop circles and find out a lot of information online about that. Yeah, I highly recommend that for listeners that if you haven't been already, that you go to thrivemovement.com uh, and look in the UFO ET section and you'll see uh, references and pictures of the crop circles. But even more, make sure that you watch the movie Thrive because we've got about a a six-minute depiction in there where we've used uh, advanced 3D computer graphics to bring to life these two-dimensional patterns and illustrate what I just described of what I think the message is that we're being shown. And it correlates exactly with the specific and independent reports that I've gotten firsthand from uh, eyewitnesses uh, who have been reportedly invited onto these ships and actually some of them taught this pattern uh, and enabled um, to have the opportunity to see the actual drive on the ship. And they all report, the people who don't even know each other, um, some of whom are coming forward for the first time, they all report that the drive is in fact this same energy pattern. Right. And in the movie, that was a wonderful part where those the people came forth and were speaking about it. And one of the reasons I think people don't talk about it is you talk about being, you know, on a spaceship. Everybody thinks you're nuts. Yeah. And well, that's one of the things, frankly, that I'm enjoying most about Thrive is that we're just getting, you know, hundreds of uh, messages from all over the world thanking us for making it not only okay to talk about formerly taboo subjects, but giving the factual evidence and the coherent story that actually makes it tie together for people where they're not, where they're not only no longer embarrassed to speak up about it, but they're finding that many of their friends and, and work associates and so forth have also been looking into the same things, but were you know, afraid to talk about it. So a lot of people are finding that it's now not only safe, but fun to talk about these subjects and see how they all link together because that's why we made the film. The implications of this understanding are so profound. And just one example of that is that I have had the privilege to visit numerous laboratories where so-called free energy inventors have devices working on their benches, which in many cases are not plugged into anything uh, but even when they are, they're putting out more energy than it takes to run them. And it's clean, safe energy. So the implications of that for the planet are obviously huge. And the common denominator of all of the devices that I've seen is in one way or another, they express an understanding of and mimic 
this basic Torah's pattern. So there's confirmation that what these advanced intelligences, I think, are, are trying to coach us on uh, is, in fact, true. And that's the good news, that we actually don't need to be fighting over oil or polluting the skies, causing asthma and all, all that stuff with, with coal and, and oil and, and nuclear and so forth. Uh, that technology already exists, and that's the great news. The unfortunate news is that virtually every one of those laboratories all over the world has been brutally suppressed. They've been raided. They, they've been basically given gag orders where they're not allowed to, to talk about it. The equipment is taken. And frankly, in my experience, I don't know of any uh, hoaxers or charlatans in, in the energy field who get brutally suppressed. So for people who uh, understandably are skeptical about the possibility of this technology, I invite you just to consider the, the, uh, the possibility or the, the, the evidence of if these laboratories and these technologies aren't real, then how come they're being shut down? Exactly. Well, you know, free energy technology or zero point energy technology, how do you eventually see this coming into the mainstream? Well, I think that uh, as with so many things in the solutions that we suggest, the key is decentralization of power. So instead of having one utility company that dominates this or, you know, one banking elite family who owns the whole thing or something like that, it's, it, it is still being developed in laboratories all over the world. And I think what's happening is through the Internet now, people are finding out about this and through movies like Thrive. And it, frankly, it's the, it, it's the most popular subject matter of anything in our film. We're, we're getting thousands of, uh, of requests for information and uh, proposals from scientists and from inventors and from investors and philanthropists who want to use their resources to get this out into the world. So we and, and other, others are organizing both collaborations and independent projects to uh, raise the money to not only complete these technologies, but to have the legal defense fund available to fight off frivolous lawsuits and to have the security team to protect these inventors against uh, these kinds of raids and so forth. So I, I think it'll be a while in coming. Um, I, the inventors I've talked to who uh, have been successful in the past, uh, none of them are trying to market these devices now because they don't want to be uh, assassinated or have anything happen to their work associates or their family or anything. So the, there is definitely an environment of fear, but there's also a growing environment of excitement. And with the Internet, so many people are finding out about this that it's almost like Occupy, that every, virtually everybody wants this technology available. And so the masses are building that are just not going to put up with the suppression of it any longer. Uh, you know, and, and then why doesn't somebody just post the information anonymously on the Internet? And by the time they figure out who posted it, it won't matter because there'll be millions of copies of it everywhere. So I yeah. think the Internet is our is our best tool while we have it. Yes. And, and there are some there are some inventors like John Bedini who have been uh, putting up some blueprints uh, on the Internet and selling kits where people can familiarize uh, themselves with it. It's not the full on uh, blueprints yet, because, uh, again, they've been told that they that they can't do that. And the, the powers that be can track things pretty easily on the Internet. Um, so if people want to start getting educated on this, 
go to our website, go to the new energy technology section, and there are lots of recommendations of the inventors, of the history, of the websites that are covering this most effectively in our minds right now. And what other research topics can people search if they want to build one of these? Do you have any other suggestions? Well, if you want to re research this, um, there's one website is called PESWIKI. P-E-S stands for Pure Energy Systems, and then Wiki, W-I-K-I. And they're one of a selection of websites that we mention on the on our site that um, that are covering kind of the up-to-date, at least publicly available information quite well. So you can get both documentation, you can get access to to kits, to um, to some of the other inventors. So it's a it's a wonderful exploration for anyone who's interested. And also on our website, we have a critical mass action section where you can sign up if you're interested in participating in in uh, mass movements, whether it's to shut down the Federal Reserve or to uh, label the GMO food or to support the bringing free energy devices out. You can put your name on that list and we're collecting the list uh, until we've got critical mass, until we've got enough people that if we showed up to have a demonstration outside of the U.S. Patent Office, you know, it would be a half million people or, or whatever it would take to really make an impact and enough people with resources to actually go forward in a you know, big and solid way and making sure these inventors are supported and taken care of. Wonderful idea. Well, let's talk. You mentioned the Federal Reserve. Let's talk about them for uh, a little bit here. So the, what role does the Federal Reserve play in our economic structure? A lot of people don't know about the Federal Reserve. So Yes, well, we're raised thinking naturally that the Federal Reserve is the federal organization where they keep the reserve of money for the country. But as far as I can tell, they have little or no reserves and they're not federal. As, as one of our guys says in the movie, you know, if, if you look up Federal Reserve in the Washington phone book, you're not going to find it under the government pages. You're going to find it next to Federal Express because it's a private cartel of uh, very wealthy banking families uh, who created the Federal Reserve in a covert operation, basically, where they created a mass publicity stunt right before Christmas in, in 1912, I think it was, um, and got Congress to pass this bill. Uh, and they pretended that they were against it. And the public thought, therefore, it must be a, a, a good one. They passed the Federal Reserve Act under Woodrow Wilson, which he has uh, in writing gone on to say was his biggest blunder ever. He says he didn't understand it. But anyway, what it did was give the money-making power uh, to, it took it away from the Congress and gave it to this small cartel of bankers. And so ever since 1913, these bankers have been printing the money for the country, basically whenever the politicians needed it. Because they went, they went into collusion together where the politicians, in order to have the power to go to war, to uh, subsidize their crony companies and, and so forth, uh, and not lose popularity, uh, gave the bankers the privilege of making up this money. What the bankers got in return was the ability to make up money out of nothing and then charge interest on it. Uh, and then loan it out at discount prices to wealthy corporations and so forth and and make vast amounts of money from doing that 
but also to be able to control the entire money supply of the country so they can increase it or decrease it and manipulate people's lives uh, to where they can collapse the economy or they can boom the economy virtually at will. And they did it in 1929. They created the, co the collapse uh, and then profited from it. They sold their stocks, collapsed the market and you know, bought up stocks and other banks on, for pennies on the dollar. And then basically they did it again in 2008. Uh, you know, they used other bubbles uh, this time like the housing market. But basically they orchestrated the financial collapse then bailed themselves out, their own banks, you know, Citigroup and Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs and so forth. They were bailed out with taxpayer money by the Federal Reserve, which is owned by the same people that own those other banks. So they bailed themselves out at our expense and, uh, and then have printed at least $22, million, $22 trillion dollars. Uh, and spread it around the world secretly to all the other central banks uh, before it was finally disclosed by a, a Bloomberg lawsuit that finally got the first even partial edit ever on the Federal Reserve. So basically, it's the biggest con in human history. And since the Federal Reserve was initiated in 1913, uh, the purchasing power of a single dollar has gone steadily down to where it's now about three cents. So this organization that was supposed to stabilize the economy uh, and enrich the American population has vastly broken the economy um, and destabilized the lives of you know, hundreds of millions of people. So they're exactly the opposite of what they were uh, portrayed to, to be. And more and more people now through the Internet are finding it out. And I'll add one more point that, that most people don't know. I think one of the reasons why this international banking cartel that I claim is behind what I call the global domination agenda, this agenda to actually take over uh, all of the power centers of, of the world and basically control everyone's life. One of the reasons I think that they're trying desperately to get that agenda complete this year is because the charter for the Federal Reserve was a hundred year charter. So it comes up for renewal in August of of 2013. And so many people are now finding out about and want to get rid of the Federal Reserve that I don't think there's any way that it would survive any kind of genuine public <clears throat> renewal process. So I think that the powers that be are trying to collapse the economy and create a, a, a one world currency under and a one world government under their control before the end of 2012. Well, we're hopeful that that plan does not work. We are going to take a quick break to listen to our sponsors. Without them, we would not be able to do these types of shows. So please pay attention. We will be right back. This is Carol again, and I just wanted to talk to you about one of our new sponsors, Hole in the Wall Herb and Vitamin Shop up in Woodland Park. The owners, Mark and Nancy Duvall, are not only close personal friends, 
but they're also my nutritional gurus. They are now selling, teaching, and doing a Syra bioenergetic testing on their clients. I had this done and I found out all my food allergies, emotional stressors, environmental sensitivities, hormonal balance, and I received a customized homeopathic remedy. Please call them for more information at 1 800 437 3240. Linda Masterson, Soul Purpose Astrologer, works with astrological tools and with guides in the non physical to assist ones in knowing their soul purpose. Important in this process is identification of significant blockages. In each session, tools are provided for working with self to clear resistance and free talents, skills, and abilities to fuller expression. The goal is to take responsibility for and to accelerate the healing process. Phone sessions are offered by Linda. Please visit Linda at lindamasterson.com or call 808-651-0300. Again, that's 808-651-0307. My name is Jennifer, and I'm a health fanatic. I admit it. I read all the labels, eat organic food, and I'm very aware of what I put into my body. I practice holistic health, use alternative healing products, and never miss my daily dose of Willard Water. Willard Water is made with fossilized organics and contains nearly two dozen trace minerals that are essential to maintaining strong bones, heart health, and good energy. Simply adding a quarter capful of Willard Water to my tea makes a tremendous impact on my overall well-being. Willard Water is tasteless and odorless. Dr. Willard's patented catalyst helps our bodies better absorb the minerals and nutrients we need to maintain optimal health. If you care about your health, you'll try Willard Water today. To learn more about the benefits of Willard Water, call us at 888-379-4552 or visit our website at drwillard.com. That's drwillard.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and Willard Water is not intended to treat, diagnose, cure, or prevent any diseases. Hi, I'm Carol Gravey, and I'm one of the hosts of Food Integrity Now. And I've just teamed up with Sharon Farrell of Rocky Mountain Sacred Journeys. And we'd like you to come join us on an amazing adventure of fun and self-discovery. Please join us for one of our ongoing trips to Hawaii to swim with the dolphins in the wild. To find out more about our ongoing trips, please go to Wild dolphinswimadventures.com or call us at We're talking with Foster Gamble. Foster, let's talk about the money pyramid and how it works. Can you briefly explain the levels from bottom to top? Sure. Um, We put together a graphic that appears several times on our website, particularly in the follow the money section, and then uh, also several times in the film. And what we were trying to do was represent in one single graph how the power structure of the world works. And it's in the shape of a pyramid. 
And down at the bottom of the pyramid, at the first level, is what we call people, the planet, and all living things. So we're going about our daily lives at the base of this pyramid. And then up above us, most people would uh, agree that the government basically has a lot of control over our lives. In fact, increasing control every day. But most people think that's the top of the, the power structure and that President Obama must be the most powerful guy in the world and so forth. But my research reveals quite a different story. And it's becoming more obvious now through things like the Supreme Court's Citizen United decision that corporations really uh, run the government. That by the time anyone's elected to a major office, they're so beholden to the corporate contributors that basically they need to do their bidding. And that's why they've been put in place. But uh, there is another level above this corporatocracy because the corporations like, you know, Exxon and Pfizer and Monsanto and so forth, they survive by um, not by spending their own money for the most part, but by borrowing money for their projects at very low discount rates. And they borrow that from the big banks. So the big banks are really who the corporations, to a great extent, answer to. And that's the banks, like I mentioned before, Bank of America, Citi, Chase, uh, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, and so forth. There's about six major uh, banks that, who've consolidated most of the wealth in this country. And most people who have investigated the money at all realize that they're very powerful, but we need to keep going beyond them because these banks answer to the central banks. They answer to the Federal Reserve or the uh, the Bank of Australia, the, uh, the really the Federal, the, the Reserve Bank, the Central Reserve Bank in any country. But that still isn't the top of the pyramid because above them is the IMF and the World Bank, basically the international central banks. And it's the same banking powers that run uh, them, but there's still another level above that. And that's called the Bank for International Settlements. And most people haven't heard of that, but that's the central bank of central banks. And it was uh, founded by and is still owned by the Rothschild family, the most wealthy family on the planet. It's estimated that they own 40% of the wealth of the planet, even though a lot of people have never heard of them. And the reason that they're so wealthy is because they essentially cornered the market on this uh, this centralized banking scam using fractional reserve banking, where they can create money out of nothing and lend it out uh, at interest. Um, but there's still one final level above that. And that is uh, in the pyramid. You'll see there's an all seeing eye, what they, they call it that at the very top of the pyramid. And that's where the whole agenda unfolding in the world to a great extent is being run by uh, very wealthy families, usually banking families uh, who meet in secret societies like the uh, Bilderberg Group and the Trilateral Commission and the upper levels of the, the Masons and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the, the Round Table. There are a number of organizations that we know about in that they exist, but you'll not, you won't find any published minutes of their uh, activities because they operate behind closed doors. And this is where the major power brokers come together, decide on the agenda for the world. And then they come, they come out of the meetings and the media people, the military people, the government people, the bankers and so forth, they go out and, and all manifest their part 
of a quite coherent agenda to actually take over control um, of every human being on the planet. Wow, that's pretty incredible. And I think it's pretty incredible that many people do not know this. Well, one of the encouraging things about it is uh, that even though it seems like they've got such overwhelming power because they control the corporations, the banks, the military, the governments, and so forth. The media. Then the media, exactly, except for media like yours. Right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but the good news is that the power of a pyramid is in its base, not in its top. It depends on its foundation, and we outnumber the people who are actually perpetrating consciously this agenda for total control, we outnumber them by my research over a million to one. So they're scared to death that people will find out their agenda before they've got this total control. And in fact, that's exactly what's happening. So when when the foundation of the pyramid uh, disappears, the rest comes tumbling down like a house of cards. And the key is not massing an army and trying to fight the most powerful forces uh, militarily and financially in in history, but instead through coordinating, through getting informed and then coordinating our actions in the same way that that Martin Luther King and and Mahatma Gandhi did through what's called nonviolent non-participation. And this is what, you know, groups like in the Arab Spring and in Occupy Wall Street and so forth People are more and more realizing the need for this and exploring how to do it effectively, nonviolently going about withdrawing our participation from the power centers of this giant destructive scam and at the same time start building new systems that are based on absolute integrity and based on absolute regard for the freedom of every single being on the planet. And what I love is that people are getting up off the couch and are taking action and uh, aren't afraid. I mean, we got into yeah. the, we got into this mess we're in by being passive and by not paying attention. And I think, you know, like the Occupy movement that you mentioned is a wonderful example of people starting to wake up and assist others to wake up. It's so inspiring to me when you th- when you realize that we are in the midst of a global self-creating movement. It's never happened before in history. And we can be so interconnected now. And as people do wake up, there are uh, a ton of things that each of us can do in our daily lives that don't take a lot of time and money. And those actions end up coordinating with the actions of millions of others and are creating the most powerful movement uh, in human history. So we're absolutely not powerless in this. It's a matter of finding out what's really going on. And that was the point of Thrive, to to save people decades and where you can in a couple of hours and whatever other time you want to spend on the, the on our website, you can fundamentally get a coherent picture of what's in the way of our thriving. And then the rest of the film, fully half of the film and most of the website is dedicated to identifying all of the critical issues where which are virtually all human made and then how we can go about as individuals and in groups uh, turning it around restoring our environment our financial system our media systems our energy systems how we can restore all of that to a basis of wholeness so the economy is operating in in honor of everyone's free ability 
to interact voluntarily rather than to be dominated or duped by uh, a few wealthy cartels. And in regards to food, returning to you know whole food organically grown in polyculture rather than this poisonous uh, genetically modified food grown in these monocrops that just destroy the local environments and the, the, the food systems themselves in every area, including energy. And we were just talking about free energy rather than exploding atoms together and creating combustion or, or fission, which is so dangerous and polluting. We're beginning to take the more feminine approach of humbly asking, how does nature move energy? And then dancing with that in a celebration of alignment that ends up pouring out abundant, clean, safe energy. So the key now is that people are waking up all over the planet. And, and uh, my wife, Kimberly, and I have had the honor to start attending some screenings in the last few weeks. We were really too busy since the premiere to, to go out and do that. But there have been close to 3,000 self-created screenings of Thrive Now for groups all over the world. And so we attended a couple of these recently. And I'm telling you, I was so moved to see what's going on. I just went up to Nevada City this past weekend, a small uh, town in the foothills of the Sierras in California. And I showed up at this hall, it used to be an old furniture store. There were 400 people packed into this room and they stayed for five hours. They did two hours of seeing the movie. I did a little question and answer. And then they spent the next two hours brainstorming solutions and dividing their community up by sectors so that people could focus on their passion and skills, whether it's media or art or uh, money or science or health, environment, whatever it is, there's a place for everyone. And there are means that we are teaching people in these communities to coordinate the action of these 13 different sectors. Uh, and then not only to organize effectively in your own community, which we've been which we've proven in other projects to be really powerful, but also then to link in uh, through the, web, the Thrive website and through other means with similar communities across the country and around the world so that we can coordinate the actions uh, of, that are needed to turn this thing around in ways that uh, allow you to focus on what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and meanwhile, relax, knowing that other people are handling every area and they're all being coordinated together. So it kind of turns the, the energy and complexity of the chaos of finding out we're in deep trouble. I mean, what in the world can we do? It organizes that very effectively in a self-creating way into a virtual laser beam of truth and of love and a, a effective action that I'm now more confident than I've been in 15 years uh, that we can, doing this sort of activity, that we can turn this whole thing around and in a reasonably short amount of time because as it starts to go, it will be self-reinforcing and then it'll just you know, go on a geometric uh, ascent as people realize that this is uh, a viable way out. I love what you just said because I think it's so important for people to take action, but to take it in a way that speaks to yourself, that speaks to your purpose. You know, if, if you have a love of, uh, of art, you know, what can you do in that area? If you have a love of whatever it may be, uh, you can find a way to take action that honors yourself and assists the world. It's so important for people to realize that, that activism can be joyous. 
you know, and, and you can even make money saving the planet. Um, and on the website, if people get uh, interested and want to use the tool of the website, you can go to the what can I do section under solutions. And there's a whole area there that we spent a long time putting together uh, called support. And it's a guidelines, very specific uh, roadmap on how to first go inside and, and clarify your own purpose and then focus your action by deciding which level am I most drawn to besides which sector uh, of activity, which level am I most interested in meeting immediate needs in a soup kitchen or a hospital or something like that? Or do I want to work on systemic change, you know, uh, through the political system or through the economic system or through your community organizations? Or am I someone who's really good at, uh, at changing the conversation at expanding the worldview, um, what we call the consciousness shift? And once you realize what sector you want to work on and which of those three levels of engagement, immediate needs, systemic shift or uh, conscious, I mean, systemic uh, change or consciousness shift, then you bring those two coordinates together. And I guarantee you that's where you'll be happiest and most effective working. And other people will cover all the rest of them. And then we also go on to show people how to to get yourself emotional support as you're learning about this and as you're going through the challenges of standing up and and, uh, and going for it in these different domains, uh, how to support yourself emotionally, how to resolve conflict as you're working in collaborative groups, because it comes up for every group. You know, people want to go different directions or their misunderstandings, and it can it can really undermine a group if you don't have the skills of how to resolve that successfully. And, and I- then find. I've seen it, I've seen a little bit of that. My son has spoke of that because he's very involved in Occupy San Diego and he's sponsored yeah. the Occupy Walk. And his part of his frustration is just what you were speaking about is, you know, conflict resolution and and learning all about that and how to be effective. Yeah. And, and that's great that you have that tool on your website as well. Yeah, it's a critical piece. And then the last piece in that puzzle um, is a section uh, called Life Balance that coaches you on how to uh, balance your personal, your family, and your professional life with your activism in a way that you don't just burn out, which is just way too common uh, with people who are taking a stand. Yeah, exactly. And again, I think if you uh, follow your heart and do something that speaks to your purpose, you're less likely to burn out. You're exactly. more, li- more likely to have passion. So, yeah. um, uh, again, I think your website is an incredible resource and, uh, it's thrivemovement.com. And I encourage people to go to the website, to buy the movie, to, uh, do a screening. And how does that work with doing a screening foster? Well, there's basically three ways right now you can see the movie. You can either rent it for $5 and just watch it online, or you can buy the DVD or you can uh, either go to or create a screening. And if, if you go to the movie page of our website, um, there is a tab on the left-hand side that says host a screening. And you can read or print out all the instructions that you need uh, for what we have found makes for a fun, effective, uh, and fulfilling screening. And uh, if you do just a a home screening or a public screening where you don't charge, um, then uh, you can just show the movie for free. And 
if you do a public screening where you do charge, then there's just a minimal license fee. But people have been creating these uh, just uh, like gangbusters. And some of them have 12 people sitting in a living room and others have a thousand people in a you know university auditorium. Just whatever you find works best for your community. But basically, it's a chance to see the film, but also to spend a while after with people from your community talking about it, because this is not your grandmother's movie. You know, this is not just, you know, popcorn and fun and no, OK, where do we go for dinner? This movie um, will rock your world most likely in a number of ways. And also, I think, uh, based on current experience, will leave you very empowered and hopeful about what we can do to transform this world into a, a world where everybody has the opportunity to thrive. You know, Foster, has have there been any repercussions since you've done the movie? Do you mean repercussions in my life? Yes. Uh, I'm happy to say that, that there haven't been any negative ones. Uh, I have, you know, received no threats. That basically, what we kind of anticipated is happening is that that we fact-checked everything in the movie and we uh, we cohered the story uh, so in such great detail that we didn't anticipate that the powers that be would challenge the information because they don't want to talk about the information. And both Kimberly and I have done our best to live lives of uh, compassion and integrity. So there's no good uh, excuses to go after us personally for things that we're doing or, or have done. So what um, apparently some of the forces that want to undermine this information have done is basically just put up debunking websites that, that aren't substantive, but uh, you know, are there to try to create doubt and also to, uh, to try to challenge us on the basis of, oh, you shouldn't be charging for this movie if the, if the information is really important and it's true information, then it's unfair to charge. So you must be an Illuminati corporate shill just trying to make money off uh, your life's work. Right. Uh, but that's kind of fading away as people. There was more speculation around that as the it was just the trailer was out. But now that people can see the movie and go to the website and check out our lives, that that's fading very rapidly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's so obvious when you watch the movie that you're not only giving us the information of what's happening and enlightening us, but you also have some real valuable solutions and i think that's that's the takeaway i i got from the movie was wow this is happening but here's what we can do well thank you that's really what we wanted we we didn't want to put out the movie until the solutions were more coherent and powerful than our description of the the problem well well done (laughs) thank you so foster go ahead Probably the the most impactful thing going on in my life is just very positive in the sense that we're so thrilled that almost two million people have seen the movie and so many people are creating uh, these screenings and creating local thrive groups and so forth that fundamentally we're we're gratified that our communication is landing. But especially it's just a huge confirmation of the beauty and the the un stoppable power of the human spirit when it has accurate information. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for making this wonderful movie and for being our guest on Food Integrity Now. Again, the website for the movie is thrivemovement.com. 
And it's a very comprehensive website and has much information on how you can make a difference. So you are welcome. It's really been a delight to be on with you. And I so love that you have integrity in the title of your show, because to me, if there's uh, a single word that's going to be our compass for getting us out of this mess, uh, it's integrity uh, at every level. So thanks for your great work, Carolyn, for having me on. Oh, you know, we appreciate it and we appreciate you. So thank you for listening to Food Integrity Now and we will be back next week. 